Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to the Business Book Show. I'm your host, Derek Lewis. It is my distinct pleasure today to have uh, with me Sally. Sally, I realized that I did not ask how to pronounce your last name. Is it Halderson? It is. Perfect. Awesome. So I have Sally Halderson with me. She is the general manager of 800's TEO Read. Now, if you've uh, been listening to the first season of the show, you may remember that we interviewed Jack Covert, who is uh, founder of 800 CEO Read. So Jack is now um, riding off into the, the sunset and uh, mm-hmm. kicking back, and he has passed the reins off to the great management team at uh, 800 CEO Read. And Sally is actually the general manager over there. And in addition to keeping everything flowing and, and uh, keeping the, the plate spinning, as, uh, as they say, she is also one of the co-authors of the third edition of the 100 Best Business Books of All Time. Now, Jack Covert and Todd Satterston uh, first put that list together and published it in, Sally, what, what year was it? I'm, I want to say 98? Uh, would have 2008. 2008, okay. I was only yeah. off by a decade, you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing good to remember my phone number. Dates are not my thing, so that's okay. <laughs> I could have said that, and I actually helped out with it. So yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't we why don't we start there, Sally? Talk to us about um, you know from the the first time that Jack and Todd put together the, the list to this third edition of the book that y'all have put out. Um, what has what's mm-hmm. changed? How have business books changed just over? Um, not even the the 10 years from the first edition uh, that it was out. Sure, it seems incredible that that it's been less than uh, 10 years. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. And um, I love the business that I'm in, which is uh, selling books. And I credit Jack and Todd for the majority of what I know about both running a business and how to read and promote business books. So, you know, I've tweaked tweaked it my own way over the last 20 years. So that is the sort of fresh look that I'll bring to the conversation. Um, and to answer your question directly, the 100 best um, was really a re- meant to be a reflection of all of the knowledge that Jack and Todd and sort of the business um, as a whole knew about business books at the time. And what's interesting, I went back and I listened to your interview with Jack and I was thinking about, you know, he was talking about the timeline of business books, you know, that sort of they had the the real um, introduction to the market in the 80s. And then when you think of where we're at in 2017, where we were at in 2008, 2009, um, with the launch of the 100 Best, it has accelerated over time uh, so greatly that that's a really fascinating um, trajectory, I think, for the genre. But to go back to when they were coming up with the list, it's true, as Jack had mentioned, that the two of them put together um, a list of many hundreds of business books that they felt that were essential for creating sort of a business knowledge for business people. And um, that book was 
both a labor of love and a lot of labor, as I'm sure all of your <laughs> listeners understand and you yourself understand, right? Yeah, as every um, good is. Yeah, so I acted as um, I had many different roles in the background behind the first edition of The 100 Best, and um, I think that in the acknowledgments in the back, it does sort of it it pays uh, respect to the fact that I uh, not only worked as a writer on the book, but I also worked as a psychologist. I worked as a therapist for the two of them. You know, I worked for being a sounding board. You know, so I I participated um, as fully as I could uh, in creating the book, and we had a great team around the book. Um, and as you know, it was it was also meant not only to capture uh, industry knowledge and, and knowledge of the genre, but it was also meant to be exemplar of the kind of book that we believe um, makes it in the marketplace. You know, we had, we had, we had and asked for a lot of control over the way it looked from the cover design to um, the inclusions to um, the voice, all of that kind of stuff was, was really driven by Jack and Todd's vision of what a great business book looks like and a great, and that it's sort of this sort of, you know, um, what a great business book looks like and all of the great business books that everyone should also have access to. Well, you certainly did um, an amazing job um, helping them on the, on the first one and then um, taken uh, an even bigger role in uh, in this latest um, incarnation of it. It is. I like what you said. How it is. It's not so much these are the 100 best selling uh, books. These aren't the 100 best written books. These are the 100 best examples of what business books should be and should cover and should be models for. Mhm. Yeah, it was an interesting, in the third edition, uh, we did put out a second edition in the paperback, and we did do some tweaking to that version. But really in the third edition was when the decision was made to take a handful of books out of the 100 best list and put five new books in. And I think that um, what drove that decision was this idea, this sort of ideal that we have that a great business book needs to cause a ripple in our current time and space. And as you look back, you know, to the 80s, 90s, and you, there are any number of great business books. There are the ones that, of course, Todd and Jack picked out. But as we, you know, modernize the list, we also have to recognize the fact that that business trends and and the realities of business have changed, and we need books that reflect those changes. And so we did replace five books with five new books to reflect that change. Well, I think that makes sense. When, you know, whenever time does it, uh, you know, it's it's person of the of the year. It's a different person every year because mm -hmm. even though the person from the previous year may still be a a big player, times change, things change, and you need to if you're mm -hmm. going to have a current list, um, you need to make sure that that list is as up to date as possible. Yeah, it's it's important that um, people, as they gather their business knowledge, understand um, you know how the wheels have turned and and in the five books that we added into the hundred best, they really 
also reflected the change in the genre. And, um, you know, again, if we go back to the 80s and we follow the timeline up to present about business books is that you can you can question to some degree whether the business book category is really um, a misnomer and that maybe the question is is what books do business people read and it's just another it's a flip way of looking at right. um, how we look at the boundaries of the genre and in the five books that we added back into the hundred best um, it reflects sort of the humanistic um, management that has come into play over the past decade. Uh, it represents the entrepreneurship and startup with um, Eric Reese's Lean Startup. It reflects the um, Wall Street banking drama um, in Too Big to Fail by Andrew Ross Sorkin. Um, and it also gives uh, respect to um, sort of the, the human psychology aspect or the social science aspect that we see in a lot of business books nowadays. Um, through adding in Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, um, you can track that book and find it has influence in so many different business books because of this idea of businesses are only as good as the people in them, and the people in them are only as good as how clear their thinking is. You know, uh, whenever I asked Jack um, in in our uh, in our, my interview with him. Uh, how he defined a business book. <laughs> he said, well, I'm a merchant. A business book is anything that I can sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like uh, I like yours a little bit better. It's what business people read. And it's I what think business that, people read. Right. Because, um, you know, there are plenty of, of books that we think of as, as business books that we don't even take, um, you know, whenever even stop to question is this really a business book, such as uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But whenever you mm-hmm. go to look for the book, it's almost always shelved in uh, the self-help um, personal right. development sections. Right. I, back when we were um, doing the first version of The 100 Best, um, it was rather daring for Jack and Todd to put a chapter in that was um, titled You, meaning that these were books that were speaking directly to the reader as in ways to, um, you know, improve yourself uh, that fall within the personal development category. And as other people at the time would say, oh, these are just self-help books. But again, it always comes back to the person. And um, we have a lot of books even that are coming out this year that are geared toward that integration of of you as a healthy, happy person and how you bring that person to work and how that creates a happy, healthy uh, organization. You know, I, I almost think that there should be, um, at, the, at the front of, uh, of any kind of, of business book, that there should be a, a section that says you know, who we wrote this book for. Because mm. some authors say, they 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 are writing a book for, um, you know, for the CEO who is establishing a strategy, and even uh, the members of the the board of directors who are establishing a strategy and and what market niches should we look at for for our company. Then you have people who are, um, you know, writing career books to you know millennials who are thinking about uh, mm-hmm. you know what, what's my next job going to be in in two or three years. And you've got 
um, people who are writing to uh, to mid-level managers about how to best manage their people or best manage their IT resources. So mm-hmm. it's almost because there have been times whenever I've I've picked up a book thinking that it was going to be um, applicable for a, you know for a service professional like myself, and I realize that it's it's really meant meant for small and medium-sized enterprise. So while it's mm-hmm. interesting and I enjoy it, it doesn't really help me in, in the place that, that I'm – and the, I guess that's one of the, the exciting things about the, the genre is that we now have such a wide variety of authors and, and audiences that the authors uh, are writing to. I think that's very true, and what's also interesting then is the fact that there are a number of books that, that really do strive to – um, speak to a wider range, right? They're not as specific maybe as having a single audience as much as um, really talking about theory that can be applied to different size organizations, can be applied, um, you know, you can be an entrepreneur, you can be a startup um, general, for lack of a better word, within your company. Um, more companies are willing to uh, support and acknowledge um, sort of the individual drivers that are within the company. And and those same theories can then be stretched out and looked at with an entire uh, organization. So that is definitely one of the trends that we see, um, that there is an empowerment of, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but there's an empowerment of the person in order to influence the structure of the organization. You know, I think the power of of habit did a masterful job of showing how habits at the you know at the personal level can lead mm-hmm. to habits at the professional level, which can lead to an establishment of habits at the at the organizational level. Like he really did a neat job of starting with the individual and then ending up with the the organization. That's a really good catch there, I think, Do Higgs. Um, uh, sort of crossover appeal is exactly that. And I would um, suggest another book, the book that we actually chose uh, for the 100 best, or I'm sorry, the 800 CEO reads uh, best business book of the year for 2016 is Iris Bonnet's um, What Works, which is about gender equality and achieving gender equality in organizations. And her theory is, um, or she sort of posits this idea that um, using social science and psychology to get at the root of the individual's cognitive bias is sort of what will actually help us solve gender inequality within organizations a lot faster than trying to get um, huge organizations to move the needle or for single uh, individual people to be sort of, you know, knocking down the wall, but that there's there's sort of an institutionalized bias in the way that we're thinking, and she provides strategies as to how we can break those habits, um, even from saying, you know, how we interview. Um, she gives a good example of how um, high schools or any kind of, any schools have a tendency to have really high numbers of women teachers. And so one of the ways that you can bring in more men is to look at the ways that you're even um, putting your your employment ads out there. 
Are you um, highlighting skills that generally appeal to men? Are you highlighting skills that generally appeal to women? What questions are you asking in interviews? That kind of stuff. That that really goes to um, sort of our habits and our and our internal structures rather than um, trying to make huge sea change. And that's a really useful way to look at all of these sort of habit books. That it's really about changing the way we think. Um, and that changing the way we think can feed into changing the way we do things. Sally, can can I switch gears um, and and to go in a bit more micro? So talking about um, uh, what works, talking about the selection for the the 100 best. Whenever, whenever some someone like yourself is looking at what makes this book great. So you have the you have the the luxury, if you will, or the advantage at least, of being able to see uh, how the book has has affected the um, it, it's, its audiences, its markets, where it's landed. Like you said, mm-hmm. what, what ripples does it make? But on the front end, whenever an author is trying to figure out, how am I going to make a book that actually makes a, a difference? Yes, everybody would love to have a book that lands on the, the bestseller list, but the best books, I think, are those that really try to um, really try to add some some value, really try to change the world for for the better. So, whenever an author's on the front end, can you offer any kind of insights about the kinds of things that do or that don't go into a book, or the the kinds of themes or threads that you saw in these books that have really made a, a difference? In other words, what's some advice to be able to give to the, the writing author to say this is how you can help create a book that will probably have the kind of influence or impact, if not at the level of these, at least in the direction of these. Sure. Um, I think that there are some tried and true values that we applied to, or standards, I should say, that we applied to books when we were ultimately uh, picking that 100 best list. And when we were looking again at uh, books to add into the list to contemporize them. And, you know, that can be the strength of the idea is a singularly important piece of making a book successful. That the, I think any number of us have read a book, uh, we'll stick with nonfiction for this scenario, but where we read a book that had an interesting idea, but it really didn't have enough to carry it throughout to make an entire book, right? So it would have made a really good um, magazine article in Inc. or in Fast Company, or it would have made a great blog post, but it just didn't have enough heft to carry it through um, sort of the arc of a book. So I think one thing that's really important is that that the that the idea, it you know, it should be original. It should be contemporary, but I think one of the important parts is that we get to a point where um, it's actionable, right? That that what carries a great book from start to finish is a deep understanding of the concept or the idea, um, some really great storytelling to get people invested in the book that they're reading, and then ways that the reader can either apply it to their own life or take it into their working life in order to actually enact change. And that can that helps the writer to scope 
you know, that arc from start to finish, that you want to leave the readers with something, and that is what carries, um, that's what, you know, if someone asks you, hey, what book are you reading? That's the thing that makes you tell them about it. That's the thing that um, you can turn into a speaking engagement uh, performance. That's the thing that uh, becomes your elevator pitch, is this is the idea, and then this is what it gifts, gifts to people. Sorry, that's hard to say. Well, you know, I think um, the way I heard Todd uh, say it one time is, is the book has to answer these three questions. Um, how did he put it? What, so what, and now what? So right. What being, right. What, right. So what being, you know, this is what the the book is about, or this is the the problem, and then the so what is okay. Well, so what? Why do I care about it? I've got so many things going mm -hmm. on in, in my life. Why do I need to to give any kind of of time or credence? Uh, credibility to to whatever you're you're throwing out there and then mm -hmm. you you convince them that it's it's incredibly important that they need to to do this like the power of habit or the seven habits of highly effective people and then right. once you finally convince the person they say okay now what now what do i do how do i go out and actually take action and put this into to practice in my mm -hmm. life and or my business exactly I'm gonna to have to uh I'm gonna to have to write that down so I don't stumble for it next time. What, the what, now what? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so let's um let's jump from um from authors writing books to authors actually getting their, their books out there. So eight hundred CEO read is not mm -hmm. a, a publishing company. Um, Correct. But at the same time, you've got your fingers in in a lot of pies, and you all work with a lot of business publishers and, and business authors. So, could you on the, this is a two part question. But for the first part, let's make sure that everybody understands what 800 CEO Read is um, and what you do. And then let's talk about this is how you can um, this is how you can work with with authors and publishers. And some of the things that you do that publishers don't do, which leads into really the second part of the question, um, how do business authors get their books out there? Writing a book is, is one thing. Selling it is a, a completely different animal. Mm -hmm. Let's see. You, make sure to ping me at the end of uh, everything I bring into this to make sure that I answered both uh, sides of your question. Um, I think I would start with um, something that we believe very wholeheartedly is that every book is a business onto itself. So one of the ways that 800 CEO Read can help authors is to encourage and guide them to set a strategy to sell more books. So that gives us a mission to the author to help authors that have books or ideas for books um, with the sort of lay of the land, right? We can help map out what it looks like to be a successful business book author. So what does that look like? 
um, I like to think of that also um, as an arc, right? That there's an arc to the life of a book. There, It starts at, at sort of the germ of the idea. It starts with the de- decision-making of how a person um, invests in that idea. So it's one thing to write the book, but it's another thing to um, pitch the book. It's another thing to find a landing spot at a publishing house. It's another thing to find a publicist. It's another thing to maybe decide to publish it on your own. So there's lots of decision-making that happens really early on. And um, I think that there's a mythology that is actually, it's not quite as prevalent anymore, I don't think, um, that once you publish a book, that's sort of the, you know, you're planting your flag at the top of the hill and you're saying, I did this thing. But there's so much more around that that we would lo- we love to help people understand. And that is to, um, at the same time, you're coming up with the germ of the idea and you really want to spread your message. Um, a good way to get attention from a publishing company, a good way to ensure the fact that you're going to have strong sales or you're going to have um, longevity is that you need to start creating an audience early on. And it's just like any kind of product or any kind of business. You need to know that someone's going to buy what you make. And um, so that creating that uh, demand early on, uh, talking to people. You know, Seth Godin is a master of all of this. He's sort of the one who started this whole permission marketing and um, getting people to follow and getting the people who follow you to find other people to follow you. So platform is a huge part of that that initial arc. And once a book is published, then you have other issues, right? Um, if you want to be a speaker, if you want to um, be out there spreading the word, and your business book is, is and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, but is your business card, is the thing that you're leaving with people so that they remember you, so they take your ideas forward into their company or give it to someone else, um, that there's a strategic plan around those logistics as well until you're actually getting that product out into the hands of the people who are going to be reading and promoting your book. So we have, again, every book is a business onto itself, and you sort of have to strategize from start to finish um, in order to create the most success for yourself as possible. Then where 800 CEO Read comes in on the second half of the arc, you know, the first side, we can help you with consulting, we can help you um, in the in terms of like guiding you um, in the ways that other authors have been successful. Uh, we can help connect you with people. We can help guide that that um, that first half of the arc. And then when it comes to having that book in hand, we can assist with all of the service and logistics um, of getting that book out into the public, whether it's mailings, whether it's a custom checkout online where um, anyone, you know, a year before your book comes out, you can have you can be gathering email addresses so that that book, um, all of the updates, all of the pre-orders come through our site and ultimately get reported. And of course, bestseller reporting is probably next up on our thing on our list to talk about. Um, so again, it, it is this arc that starts out with an idea, starts out with platform building, and ends with getting your book in the hands of the people who want to hear your message.
a little bit more about um, about the the bestseller because I I can't tell you how many times uh, that I've had a a potential client call up and, and talk to me about the the book that they wanted to do, talk to me about um, ghostwriting and what all that involves, and and with the, if they're if they're if they haven't done a whole lot of homework, if they're on the the very early end, um, they inevitably say something. You know, they make some kind of joke along the lines of, you know, well, I want this <laughs> to be a bestseller. It's going to be a New York Times bestseller, and right. it I, I it breaks my heart a little bit to to have to you know tell them that that there's a lot that goes into becoming a bestseller, and and that's not always what you want. It, it is something impressive, and it's something that opens a lot of doors if you can say that you were on a, a bestseller list, the New York Times being one of them. But it's not always the goal, and there have been some books that landed on the New York Times bestseller list that weren't really great books. Mm-hmm. And there have also been some incredible books that didn't meet the metrics or that took a while for them to really catch on. And so because of their kind of extended launch period, they didn't make the, the New York Times bestseller list anyway, although they are superior to a lot of books that are that are on there. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of, I guess, uh, you, you were talking about, uh, you used the word mythology around um, around mm-hmm. another concept. There's a lot of, of myth and hype and, and legend around the you know the, the heavens opening and the angels oh the <laughs> so give us a it's, give us a harsh dose yeah. of reality. It's interesting that um, I I would say over the past couple of years there's probably been a handful of articles or blog posts you can probably find them on Medium um, that uh, are exposés on the best on being a best-selling author right or. Um, how to break the bestseller list or how the bestseller list is broken. And I think that's your first sign that there is a mythology um, around being um, a bestseller, bestselling author in this day and age that there, someone is looking for the trick, right? Someone's looking to expose the magician and uh, share its secrets. And I think that um, what our experience is is that there is no guarantee. There is no magic. Um, there is hard work. There is strategy. There is planning. There are some key um, considerations when it comes to bestseller reporting. You know, you do want to buy your books from reporting uh, stores like ours. Um, you do want to buy your books from more than one source, not just us. And we will be the first people to tell any author that. But none of that actually guarantees that you're going to be on the bestseller list because, as you said, there are there are some metrics that the individual lists have that are their own. So the New York Times does what the New York Times does. They they have ways of recognizing um, books that they that they believe are uh, too heavily weighted in their initial launch that they suspect as being um, somewhat manipulating the numbers. They have ways of identifying books that um, they feel should be on the list, and those are things that we that nobody is privy to. 
But the one thing that I can tell everybody and that I firmly believe is that there is still great value in reporting your books. So even if you don't make the New York Times bestseller list, even if you don't make the Wall Street Journal list, reporting to BookScan is a really big deal in the sense that it tracks your sales and those that tracking goes back to your publishing company. And that can do a lot in terms of getting a second book done, another printing done, uh, more sort of uh, publicist and marketing stick behind it. So all of that actually does, even if you're not going to get the aha, and you're not going to get the, the, the sticker on your book, which I have to say, when getting on a list becomes sort of an ubiquitous um, accomplishment, it doesn't always mean what you think it's going to mean, right? I mean, how many fiction books do we see um, in the aisles where you're like, oh, that was an Oprah pick, and that's a New York Times bestseller, and that that it becomes somewhat, I'm not going to say meaningless, but to some degree, you don't know what the what the criteria is. So, as as being the author yourself, you still care that your books are reported, even if you don't get to the top of the mountain. So, Sally, I am going to confess my ignorance. I didn't realize that authors uh, that they could report their their own sales. I thought that sales were always reported by either the um, the, the, the retailers or by the uh, by the brokers. So if they, for instance, if they bought um, I don't know five thousand books and wholesale from their from their publisher, or if they bought. Um, oh no! I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be unclear. No, I, I mean in terms of like decision-making on um, who you have those purchases through. So yes, you do I, need to um, arrange the pur purchases to be through reporting retailers. Okay, so but that makes me feel better because I thought I had Right, no, that's part of, no, 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 it, <laughs> I apologize. No, no simply no that that's part of the up. strategy, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, a question that um, I'm not uh, I'm not really sure what the question is um, because I, I realized that uh, that I should have sent you this article before the interview to make sure that you had had read it so you could actually prepare you know a response for it but we're gonna wing it anyway mm -hmm. so in um, the I believe it was the April um, issue of Entrepreneur Magazine. Mm -hmm. There is a full-length article in there about uh, about business books, mm -hmm. and one of the one of the things that the the author the article is pointing to is that there has been this huge uh, upsurgence in self-published books. Self, uh, but not, um, but mostly of the, um, mostly of the of the low quality variety. So they profiled mm -hmm. uh, uh, one of the one of the companies they profiled and, and interviewed was uh, Book in a Box, and it's uh, uh, this company. And I may have the numbers wrong, so I apologize uh, if if I do. I don't have the article sitting in front of me. Again, because I mm -hmm. I um, wasn't prepared to, for us to, to talk about it. But the the gist of the article is that um, there are these companies like Book in a Box where you, you talk to someone for 
know, eight to ten hours. Um, you spend another five mm-hmm. or six hours reviewing your your book, and then they they create this this quick book um, that you put out there, and you may not have even truly have have read it. It's 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 a lot of fluff. It's a little bit of your own experience, but it's just um, it's basically almost a template book, just that you can mm-hmm. hurry up and, and rush through so that you can stamp your name on it and say I've I've got a book, and they were bemoaning. The, uh, the overall loss of, of quality in business books out there because uh, the average reader doesn't know to pick up the book and look at the imprint and and, and try to figure out was this uh, was this published by a by a traditional publisher or a legitimate publisher was this published mm-hmm. um, even by a publisher that uh, has some kind of screening uh, or filter vetting process such as a uh, Greenleaf. Um, right. Greenleaf Book Group, or is it just uh, an author who wrote whatever they wanted to write, had zero uh, editorial process, um, sent it off to a, a printer, and boom, they have a, a book. It's a book that's not worth reading that maybe the author mm-hmm. hasn't even read, but wow, they've got a book. I did read the article, um, and for oh, a section of it, so you can um, actually it, sound like you're intelligent whenever you talk about it. <laughs> no, I, I you, you hit all the high points, right? And um, and Todd Satterston was uh, interviewed for it, which is how it came to my attention. Oh, that's to right. With. That's right. Yeah. I, meant to, uh, um, I meant to email Todd a note to congratulate him for being in there. Yeah, and it's you're right. There is a lot in this article that reflects our experience too that that you know jack was always so good at put you know in his same the way that he said that you know i'm a merchant and and he would put these sort of bumper sticker um you know drill down diluted ways of of encompassing what we as a company did what our beliefs were and and one of them was something that i already said was that there are a lot of people authors um CEOs, executives, um, speakers who use books as a business card. And I think that the book in the box approach is exactly that, right? It's about positioning. It's about creating a leave behind. It's about um, sort of documenting the the pitch and the presentation that uh, – the professional wants to get across. So that's that is certainly a historical um, way of using a business book that has happened over time. Um, that is really for personal gain, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a um, I want to create the mo- the most items. Uh, whether it's a website, whether it's a newsletter, a mailing list, and a book that represent all of the things that I am as a professional, as an idea maker, as a change maker, and make that available to the people who want to hear my message. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that's a very valid way of communicating. Will that, you know, engage the super fans who then want to go and spread the word of the work that you're doing. Um, You know, if there are worst case, and I'm not saying this about book in a box, but I'm saying this about some publishing, um, self-publishing decisions that get made, 
is, you know, if the content isn't well-crafted, if the book isn't well-edited, if the book has, um, has taken some shortcuts in terms of the heft and the feel and the look of the book, that really does affect the engagement that people have with the book that they're reading. I mean, we can extrapolate off that and say this is one of the reasons why ebook sales have flattened. And I'm not saying it's the only reason, but that it's one of the reasons because while people still want to engage with the idea, they also want the experience of holding and interacting with a book. Whether that's habitual, whether it's uh, you know going to, going to be true 20 years from now, I can't speak to that. I have my thoughts, but I can't speak to it for sure. That there will always be a place for a well-crafted book, and the people who invest a lot in their their idea, in the novelty and the the originality of their idea, of the force of their message, should also maybe consider investing that amount of um, love and care into the actual end result. I think that's a, a great point. Um, if, I, if I could rephrase it. Um, Please do. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. There were a lot of great thoughts in there, but the one that I'm, I'm latching on to is that different business books serve different purposes and are used as different tools. So yes. there are yes. there are some people um, who have there are some business writers who have made a career out of writing business books and they are writing a business book in order for it to be a uh, commercially viable. They want to you know go mm -hmm. through a traditional publisher. They want to have the uh, the royalties and they want it to appeal to you know, a, a commercial audience. Then there mm -hmm. are some um, who are writing books that are really I call them legacy books. They're kind of the you know memoirs. This is the the yeah. story of my life, this is the account of, of my journey. And while they would like for it to reach a, a large audience, um, for them, they're not trying to establish a name for themselves or to launch a career. It's really about just a recount of, uh, of what's mm -hmm. happened. Then there are going to be others who, um, who are um, academics, who want to have a book that kind of encapsulates their their research and their findings and their review of the literature in a way that is accessible to um, the layperson, not just um, not just their their academic peers. And mm -hmm. then there are going to be some authors who simply want um, really good bang for their for their book and and dollar for dollar having a book, even if it's not the best edited business book, even if it's not um, the best written. Just having a, a book that passes basic muster as this is an actual book is still mm -hmm. one of the best um, business, one of the best marketing investments that um, someone can can make. And so I think um, right. I think that that's the the takeaway that there are different tools for different uh, for different jobs, and uh, in their case, it it fits for what their their market and their audience. Is looking for. Right. I think that that reinforces this idea that every author um, should set a strategy, right? Um, you're creating this book to what end? Um, and be very clear on the steps that it takes to achieve that particular goal that you have. 
And that just to circle back to the reporting issue, you know, there are certainly, you know, everybody everybody dreams of being um, a millionaire or bajillionaire or what, whatever, right? But but we all know in our heart of hearts what, what we do and what we're willing to do and, and what our end goal is um, for our everyday lives and, and that some of those really big dreams are, are there to um, excite us and to inspire us, but we're okay with that being way out ahead. And I think that that's the same thing with the New York Times bestseller list or, or however you want to, you know, if you want to go into a second printing or whether you just want to have, um, you know, Jack had very clear goals about what he would, how he would see the 100 best book as a success, you know, what he wanted to end up selling. And they were very modest goals as he's a, he's a pretty modest person. And, and so I think as long as you go into the process um, with some realistic goals for for what you really want and what you can and are willing to put into um, the promotion of your book uh, or creation and promotion of your book, then uh, it's a win-win. It's a win-win to to get the work done. Well, Sally, um, you have been incredibly generous with uh, with your time. I don't want to keep you any longer. You have uh, you have an entire company to run. Um, before uh, I let you go, is there any uh, are there any parting words, any pearls of, of wisdom that you'd like to leave with uh, with business authors who are writing their book and aspiring for it to maybe one day land on the on the 100 best business books of all time list? I think that um, we're moving into a time of um, let's circle back to the very beginning of of this conversation is is the the quickening pace of how change change in business is reflected in business books that we're going to continue to see uh trends moving a little bit faster um in business books uh they're going to continue to be sort of an an a dovetailing of um human interest or um I guess personal develop to some development to some degree, and or the reflection of that would be organizations who need to respond to people. So, um, you know, we see a lot of books about uh, generations, um, new, the new generations, uh, Gen Z, millennials, that kind of thing, um, being integrated into the the organization, being respected, um, work changing in that way. So I think it's really important. My point here is I think it's really important for authors who are setting out to write a new book um, or setting out to promote a book is to really be on top of the books that are already coming out. And in some ways, you want to ride the wave. So you don't want to you know, get lost in a trend but you want to make sure that you're that you're sort of riding the riding the wave, leading the trend, um, um, adding more insight to something that people are already interested in. You know, you don't have to be unoriginal. You don't have to be repetitive in any way. Um, you don't have to just be saying the same old thing. But you want to make sure that that you are as contemporary as business becomes more and more um, sort of 
evolved in terms of, of how organizations connect to people and vice versa. So that sort of, I, yeah. I think that makes sense. I think you, you want to, um, you want to take advantage of the, of the strong current that's there instead of trying to strike out on your own or, uh, or start completely from, from scratch. You can be a pioneer, but, uh, Oh, who was it that said uh, the problem with being? Let's see, what what do pioneers get? Uh, arrows in their back and cholera. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Sally, again, thank you so much. Um, this has been a, a treat for me, and um, I certainly hope that um, that more business authors uh, get the chance to to work with 800 CEO Read and and uh, really get the, the best experience out of, of publishing a business book as possible. Thank you. I would invite um, anyone to give us a call. Our name is our phone number. And uh, just have a conversation with one of us about, um, about business books. It's the topic we know the most about, and we are happy to share what we know. Um, with anyone who is really interested in adding to the conversation. Oh, I wish there were more people like y'all out there. I think that business books have such incredible have incredible influence and the ones that are being written have incredible potential to influence. And I wish that more people realize the value um, that they could either get from business books or that they could deliver via I'm glad that we've got some people out there like y'all yeah. who um, who share that vision. Spreading the good word. I mean, I think one of the reasons why we all feel so passionate about what we do um, is because when you work make work better for people, then you make people's lives better. And yeah. it's just it's the opportunity that we have in promoting the books that we really feel are revolutionary on that end. All right, Sally. Well, um, for the third time, thank you again. And uh, if you <laughs> thank see you. Jack or Todd, please tell them that I said uh, hello. I will do so. Thanks so much for your time.